Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Unlike many of the other festivals of the church year which commemorate events, this festival is dedicated to a, doc to a doctrine, to the doctrine of the Holy Trinity, so that this day we may be further instructed in this holy and precious truth and be strengthened by it. The big three that I mentioned last week of Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost all look at God in his works for us. The incarnation of the Son, his resurrection and his sacrificial death for us, and the sending of the Holy Spirit. These all focus on how God works outwardly towards his people to save them. But this festival instead is different because it teaches us of God of himself, of God in his divine essence. This we can only receive through his testimony about himself. It cannot be reached by our own grasping without God telling us. And here is where we see clearly the foolishness of God and the wisdom of the world in conflict. For as St. Paul says, the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of the world. God declares that he is one God in three distinct persons. The world looks at this as, frankly, unreasonable and foolish. Those that trust only in their own reason think that everyone that teaches this and believes it is quite frankly, foolish. Therefore, this teaching of the church has been attacked constantly from the times of the very apostles themselves, through the era of the fathers, into the Reformation, and even in our own day. Tradition tells us that the Gospel of St. John was written for the very special purpose of strengthening this doctrine of the Holy Trinity, against the teachings of Serenthus the heretic, who during the life of John already attempted to use his reason to say that the Lord Jesus cannot be true God because it's impossible for God and man to be united in one being. So highly Serenthus thought of himself and his reason that he judged the scriptures by his own reasoning. How can we, poor, miserable sinners, grasp the mystery of the Holy Trinity? Despite all the achievements of the scientific method, we do not even understand all of our own physical powers and how we work. We have explored and we know quite a bit, but frankly, there are some things that we just can't figure out or know. Even the things that we experience day to day. Yet we think, if we were untaught by the word of God and guided merely by our own minds that we could speak of God's nature, that is foolishness of the highest degree. We don't even understand ourselves. 
how could we presume to understand who God is when he is above and beyond all power of reason to understand him? We can only understand through what God has revealed. Reason cannot be our standard of judgment in this, no matter how great our reasoning might be. When we compare our independent thoughts about God to the teachings found in the scriptures, we will fall short. Therefore, we just repeat, we must repeat, what the scriptures declare to us, that Jesus Christ is true God, and that the Holy Spirit is also true God. Yet there are not three gods, there are not three divine natures. The persons of the Holy Trinity are not like our persons. It is not like three brothers, or three angels, or three dogs, or three birds, etc. Rather, we believe, teach, and confess that there is one indivisible divine essence, while recognizing the distinction of persons. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, Christ is referred to as the express image of God's substance. In Colossians 1.15, St. Paul says of Christ, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. We must take these words at their face value. All creatures, all angels, all men are ranked below Christ. This leaves room for God alone. Because if you don't have a creature, you have God. It is one and the same thing to say that Christ is the firstborn over all creation and that Christ is true God. To make it even clearer, Paul says he is the image of the invisible God. If Christ is the image of God, he must be a person distinct from him whose image he is. But at the same time, he must have one divine essence with the Father. We see that he and the Father are not one person, but two. And yet, Christ Jesus could not be called the express image of the Father's essence if he was not equally divine. No creature can be an image of the divine essence because it doesn't have that essence. Christ could not be called the express image of God if he and the Father were not distinct persons, but there also must be the one essence. The scripture puts it this way, one person is the Father, who in eternity begets the other, the Son, begotten in eternity, yet both equally mighty, wise, and just. As we confessed in the Athanasian Creed, the majesty equal the or, the majesty equal and glory co-eternal. Both modern-day Jews and Muslims mock our teaching as if we taught that there were three gods. You hear them say that. And that is what the Quran explicitly says about Christians, that they worship three gods. But they do us wrong because we do not think of the Holy Trinity as three men or three angels or three beings united in purpose. Instead, we confess the Holy Trinity as one divine essence with an intimacy surpassing anything on earth, a unity that we could not comprehend. The human body and soul is one. We are one person. But our union of body and soul is not as complete as the union of God. 
Moreover, the Holy Scriptures teach that in the one divine essence, God the Father begets a son. Before any creature was made, before the foundation of the world, in eternity the Father begets a son who is equal with him in all respects and is God himself. This is the only way Paul could call Christ the express image of the invisible God. Thus the Father and the Son are distinct and nevertheless one God. A conclusion that we cannot get to on our own, but once we have seen it in the scriptures, we cannot escape. In Psalm 2, David is inspired to record this picture of the eternal begetting of the Son. The Lord said to my Lord, today I have begotten you. Since God is eternal, and since he is outside of time for him, today is an everlasting today. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, Let us not tempt Christ, as some of them tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Where did this happen? It happened in Numbers, where God, through Moses, wrote, These men have seen my glory, the signs which I did in Egypt and the wilderness, and they have put me to the test now these three times, and have not heeded my voice. The Lord God says, These men have tempted me. Then Paul says, They have tempted Christ. No matter how you look at it, Paul says Christ was tempted, and Moses then agrees. If Paul says Christ was tempted, then he must be eternal and true God. Though using different terms, they both confess Christ as the Son, born in eternity of the Father, of the same divine essence and yet distinct. We can't fully comprehend this, but this is what the scriptures say and confess, and so we believe. The Father is not the Son, but the Son is begotten of the Father in eternity. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and from the Son. Thus there is one God. Three persons, one God. The same arguments that Paul makes uh, of the Son, he also speaks of to the church of Ephesus in Acts, when he extorts the assembled pastors and ministers about their office, telling them to take heed of yourselves and all the flock among you, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. God himself is spirit. It has no blood, but this then proves that who he's talking about is Jesus, who must be God. Jesus purchased the church with his blood, and if the church of God was purchased with the blood of God, then Jesus is truly God. It, Paul plainly asserts that God bought the church with his blood. If God bought the church with his blood, Christ Jesus must be true God begotten of the Father in eternity. That he became man, was born of the Virgin Mary in time. If this blood, this true and real blood, shed by a true and real man, is truly the blood of God, then the one that shed it must also be God. And he must be eternal, almighty, and in one substance with the Father. Yes, we can say that the blood which flowed from the side of Christ and spilled on the ground is not the blood of a mere man, but the blood of God himself. 
And it's easy to mock this as many do. Many think it's ridiculous that we claim the Son of God, who is true God, became a man and died. Some think the Trinity is just too difficult to grasp. We cannot say this, because when we know that the Word of God declares and teaches the Holy Trinity, we don't ask how it can be true, but we're content with that Word. Thus, we will speak of this teaching. Is this from the Word of God? If it's his Word, he has spoken it, and we can rely on it. That we're not made righteous by God through our works, that's logical. It makes sense that, as Aristotle said, that you become righteous by doing righteous things. That makes sense. The Muslims say the same. But Christ says we become righteous through faith in him who took our sins upon himself and died for us. It flies in the face of logic and reason, but we believe it. So too with the Trinity. God will not lie to you or deceive you, even if you don't understand it perfectly. So let us believe what he said. And since the teaching of the Holy Trinity is founded upon the word of God, and since the church has, from the beginning, defended and maintained this teaching against every heresy, we don't dispute how God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one God. It's a mystery that we cannot fully grasp. It's enough that God has taught us this, and so we believe it. Truly, his nature and revelation are far beyond our understanding. As we heard in our epistle, Oh, the depths and the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Who has known the mind of the Lord, who has become his counselor, who has first given to him that it shall be repaid to him. If this is true about God's judgments and thoughts, how much more true about his person. So we have considered the Son, how he is God from the scriptures, but the Holy Spirit is also spoken of in the same way. This person, the Holy Spirit, is not begotten, but he is like the Son in that he proceeds from the Father and the Son. To say it differently, the Holy Spirit is a person possessing in eternity the divine essence, which he derives from the Father and the Son in unity, in the same way that the Son derives his essence from the Father alone. There are then three distinct persons, but one divine essence, one divine majesty. According to the scriptures, Christ the Lord is the Son of God from eternity, the express image of the Father, with, equal, with equally great, mighty, wise, and just. All deity, wisdom, power, and might are in the Father, which are in the Father, are also in the Son, and in the Holy Spirit, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. Rightly was the Apostles' Creed then written in a way that we can understand. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ his Son, and in the Holy Spirit. This wasn't made up from dreams or imagination, but drawn from the scriptures. I believe. In who? God, the Father. This is the first person, right? And for that clear distinction, the office of the Father is taught through uh, Scripture as the work of creation. Of course, 
God himself created everything. We must say God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit created heaven and earth, yet that work was is described as being of the Father because this is the work which he makes himself most visible to us. It is the first work which the divine majesty has made. By the word Father, he is distinguished from the other persons of the Son and the Holy Spirit. The creed continues that I believe in another who is God. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He is God's only begotten Son. Angels in the Old Testament are called uh, sons of the Lord God, and Christians in the New Testament are called God's children. But none of us, nor the angels, are called God's only begotten Son. This is only Christ, because only the Son was begotten of the Father and is above all creatures and is himself God. The Creed continues then that he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and the third day rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. The distinct personality of the Son is demonstrated in what he has done, and what he alone has done. The Father did not become man, the Son, or the Spirit did not become man, but the Son alone became man, taking on human flesh and blood in order to suffer, die, and be raised, so that he might save us, so that through faith in him and his sacrifice, our sins may be forgiven, and we may be raised to life on the last day. Finally, we believe in the Holy Spirit. Here again, a distinct person from the Father and the Son, yet one in divinity with the Father and the Son, for there is one God. This, again, is a succinct confession of the unity of the divine essence, because we accept and worship only one God, and that is who is revealed in three persons. We see this in holy baptism, where there is one name, one faith in one God, and yet we baptize in the singular name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So too, we see this in our epistle where Paul speaks of of him and through him and to him are all things to be glory forever. And the seraphim continually cry around the throne of God, not just holy, but holy, holy, holy. For he is three distinct persons, undivided in essence. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son and is called, therefore, in the Scriptures, the Spirit of God and the Spirit of the Son. He is poured into our hearts and reveals himself in the gathering of the church throughout the world. Through the word of the gospel, he enlightens and brings faith to us so that we might believe and be declared righteous by God and be sanctified by the Holy Spirit and raised to life on the last day. This teaching has been preserved by God in his church. Thanks be to God, even throughout all the attacks on it, from the early days even till our days now. Arius argued against the Son's divinity. He did not prevail. Sibelius denied the distinct persons. 
he did not prevail. Neither do the modern heretics prevail. The Jehovah's Witnesses will not prevail. The Mormons will not prevail. The Oneness Pentecostals will not prevail. Neither will the Unitarians nor the Iglesia Ni Cristo, the Filipino Jehovah's Witness-like church. No, God will preserve his church so that there will always be those that believe in him as he has revealed. This teaching will be attacked by the devil constantly as it always has been, but God will preserve his own who will believe in him, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He alone is the God of our salvation. He alone is the God who saves. To guard against the mixing of persons and the abandonment of the, the three persons, we talk in the creed of creation, redemption, and sanctification. This helps us to avoid confusion while talking of their persons, but keeping the one unity in essence. We proclaim this today in order to call attention to the fact that we've not come to this through our own thoughts or imaginations, but through God's grace in his word as we prayed in our collect today. May God help us to be found faithful and without blemish in this doctrine and faith unto our very end, that trusting in him, the only true God, we may be delivered through Jesus Christ's redemption, that he has secured for us through the shedding of his holy and precious blood. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen.